I love that you guys just love each other so, so much. But if you want to go ahead and make your way back to your seats, today is going to be a little bit different, to be honest with you. Um, I Daniel said that he woke up, like, slow and a little bit grumpy, maybe, and Matthew did too. I can't relate. I, um, I am so full of nervous energy right now. In fact, I wear an Apple Watch. And uh, right before I went up, my Apple Watch gave me a notification. It's like, your heart rate's kind of high. Are you okay? <laughs> I'm like, we'll see. Um, <laughs> but today, uh, we're going to be talking. Uh, normally, when I come up here, I talk about um, the Bible, and I'm really passionate about scriptures, and that's true. And I talk about where we need to be going as a church and as a vision. And today is just something different, and it's a little bit more personal to me. And so I think maybe that's why I'm a little bit nervous. But you might have heard, Daniel said it earlier, the staff has kind of decided on one word that we're going to be focusing on throughout the year, and that is connect. And this word has led to a lot of long conversations about the staff and how we can teach and communicate and facilitate this idea. And it got us talking a lot about um, the culture of Meridian and what we love about it. And during one of these many conversations, we stopped to think why Meridian had grown since COVID, because we have, we've grown a lot since COVID. And one group of people that we couldn't ignore were the young adults. So Daniel asked the question of what made the young adult group grow so much. And the first answer I came up with was easy. Nick Thomas chased down all of us that were without a church home, and he gave us a person to sit next to and a place to be. Um, And that's the easiest answer, right? He just saw a bunch of us wandering without a church home and said, I have one. Um, And that was the easiest. But the second answer that I gave for why this group has been so successful, specifically here at Meridian, was that this church, our group, is a little bit different than a lot of other churches. When I was able to find a young adult group that was filled with people around my age that was not limited by marital status— and whose first and foremost concern was to make sure that I was cared for and felt like I belonged, uh, I stayed, right? Because you can't find that everywhere. And the fact is that many churches, young adults are divided by our marital status. And I know a lot of you have been here for a long time, and you might not remember what it's like to try to find a church and a church home, but it can be really difficult. And For young adults, see, you start off in the college and singles group, and the underlying goal of that group is mainly to pair off singles two by two and send them out into the young married group. (laughs) It's true, and I'm I'm not kidding at all. And unfortunately, many times this would create a sense of graduating from singleness. And when you get married, you're officially no longer a young adult. You're a real adult, and you made it. Um... And when we put this false sense of maturity that only married people have access to, it leads us to single people and say that that means that single people don't have access to that kind of maturity, meaning that you're lacking something, or even worse, something is wrong with you. And as a young woman who was just trying to find a place where I could serve the Lord and build community, I found it extremely discouraging that many people within the church thought that my highest priority should be to find a husband. And believe me, I am not the only person who has encountered this. So, when a crew of us found this little safe haven that was free from all of those crazy expectations and was full of people who saw us as first people— 
and not even second, just like way down the list as single, um, we breathed a sigh of relief and we put down roots here. And I explained all this to Daniel and he asked if I would share my experience as a single woman in the church. So if it wasn't clear enough, today we're gonna be talking about celebrating singleness in the church. And this might be a sermon that you've never heard before, um, but I'm excited to talk about it. And like I mentioned before, I am more nervous about this sermon than I probably ever have been when speaking, uh, especially here, but maybe ever. Um, It feels very vulnerable for me. And I think it's just something that's uncomfortable to talk about, right? It's, it's a little bit awkward. But as I was prepping, I realized that I only represent young, never married people, even more specifically women. And there are more, singleness is, comes in all different kinds of lifestyles, right? There are parents who have never been married before and are therefore single. There are people who have been married and are now divorced. There are people who have been married and are now widowed. And there are people who have lived long lives full of singleness. And the fact is, sometimes we think of singleness as something that is unfortunate or awkward. And it can be, but it definitely doesn't have to be. And in my case, the majority of the time, it's not. And I hope that today I can shed some light on singleness that will help all of us, single or not, better understand singleness and how vast and important it can be to a community. So before I get started, there are a few things that I want to make really clear. First of all, if you're married, I am not trying to tell you how guilty you should feel for how terribly you treat single people, right? Like I said, there's a reason why I feel comfortable here at Meridian. But like I said before, um, I want to talk about the realities that single people face in the church. And so if you hear something that maybe you think like, oh, I might do that, right? just maybe consider shifting your way of thinking or acting towards single people. So the scripture we're going to be focusing on today is from Hebrews 12. And to be clear, we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. A lot of people think it sounds like Paul, but Paul didn't sign it, which is kind of rare because he signed all of his letters. And so that leads a lot of scholars to think it came from someone who was very close to him, probably someone who was a letter carrier. And one of his favorite letter carriers was Phoebe, who carried the book of Romans to Rome, all right? And so there is a chance that Phoebe wrote this. And I, I like to think that Phoebe wrote this. We don't know that for sure. But if I just mentioned the author of Hebrews, just know it's not because I didn't look up who wrote Hebrews. It's that we just don't know. Um, but I want to go ahead and read this for you. So it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Now, you're like, what does this have to do with single people? I thought we were talking about singleness today. And I understand that this verse doesn't just apply to single people, but I want to help you read this verse in the eyes of a single person. I'm going to take the general principles that we find in this verse and show you how single people can live out this verse, maybe in a way that's easier than married people. Now, obviously, I don't speak for all single people, and this is largely out of my own experience, but hopefully it provides some insight for you. So, starting at the top, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, 
A lot of people in this verse, and I've used this in past messages, talk about the great cloud of witnesses being the people in heaven that went before us, right? The believers who went before us. And this is 100% true. But as I look around the room today, I see a great cloud of witnesses, right? A crowd of witnesses that encourages each other and supports each other and defends each other. People who strengthen each other. Married, single, divorced, widowed, male, female, old, young. All who have witnessed are a part of the cloud of witnesses. I'm in a position to be blessed and surrounded by a great community, specifically here at Meridian, but also just in my family You guys are always willing to help me move, fix my car, drive me to the airport, invite me into your homes, even on important holidays. And I feel like a valued member of the cloud, right? This great cloud of witnesses. But I also want to say that I feel like part of that is a benefit or a privilege of the position that I have here at Meridian. I'm a pastor. I'm on staff. It's part of my job to get to know you guys. And so I want to say that not all single people have access to the kind of community that I do. And a lot of single people feel isolated in the church, not because that they're single, but because married members of the church often forget that they're members of the cloud. Or even worse, they assume that single people simply wouldn't understand the complexities of life or marriage. And this leads me to our first reason why singleness should be celebrated in the church today. Single people can provide insight to life experiences that married people miss out on. So, this is a fun fact. Did you know that 49.1% of adults in America are unmarried? That's according to the the 2020 census. That's half. That is a lot of people who are unmarried, right? People who are identified as single. They might be dating someone, but marital status, they're single. So I want to say, I encourage you, just because someone isn't living the same life as you, and this applies to any situation, not just singleness, but just because someone isn't living the same life as you doesn't mean their company or friendship isn't valuable to you, or if you're married, even your marriage. Now again, don't get me wrong. Wanting to talk and process through a situation with people who have experienced the same thing that you have experienced is not a bad thing. I just want you to remember that single people don't lack life experiences. In fact, they can help you fill in the gaps of the life experience that married people might miss. We are a beneficial part of the cloud, and we need your support. And the fact is, you need our support and perspective too. And this cloud of witnesses is what's going to give us all the support we need to live out the rest of this verse. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. See, no one is going to run the exact same race, right? No one is going to walk the exact same life. Even if you're married, you and your spouse will walk different paths. You will run different races, The fact is, we're all called to run a race that God has set out with us, and the end goal is the same, right? To end in eternity with Jesus, living a life that is pleasing to God. That is the goal that everyone is running. But we're all going to get there differently. We each use our gifts and talents and circumstances and relationships and perspectives and a whole lot of grace from God to get to that end goal. The only way that we could, right? No one else could get to our end goal in the exact same way that we could. 
But along the way, we get tangled up in so many things. And I love this verse because it says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. I feel like when we talk about this verse, a lot of times we get so focused on let us throw off all the sin, right? And we talk about like not getting stuck in sin. But it says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, meaning that some things that will hold us back from running the race aren't sinful, right? Or not sin that holds us back. It's just stuff (laughs) that's happening in the world. So this leads me to our second reason why singleness should be celebrated in the church. Singleness is countercultural. Singleness is countercultural. Something that both the world and the church have in common right now is that they both view singleness as something that needs to be fixed. Let me say that again. Something that both the world and the church have in common right now is that they view singleness as something that needs to be fixed. Just look at the media right now. The market is flooded with dating shows, self-help books, podcasts, single conventions, and influencers that sole purpose is to help people not be single anymore. Books, movies, TV shows, all telling us all the time that single is something to look down upon, right? Being single is sad. Being single is sad, and being married is happily ever after, right? Uh. Okay. But I did some research, okay? The wedding industry's 2022 approximate market value in America, okay? So what the wedding industry as a whole made in 2022 was approximately $57 billion in the wedding industry. The average cost of an American wedding is $29,000. That is more than I paid for one year of my college education, all right? (laughs) Including my room and board. So, the idea of happily ever after is marketed to us all the time. Marriage is idolized. We want community with someone else more than we want community with God. Marriage is idolized. And let me tell you, marriage for me was an idol. I didn't understand for a long time why everybody got to be in love except me, right? And God had to take me on this journey that he doesn't withhold good things. We believe that as Christians, that God won't withhold good things from us, right? God is a good God. And because of the way that our culture and movies and structures have evolved over time, marriage has become the pinnacle of happiness and success in life, right? Like, you can't be happy or successful unless you're married. And that is really strong within the church as well. But I think that even married people would know, once you get married, that does not mean all is merry and bright. The want to be married is an idol that I and many other single people have to fight frequently and continue to throw off in order to run our race. And yet sometimes we walk in the church only to find that people there want us to pursue that idol before we pursue God. Or even worse, the only way we can pursue God is to pursue that idol, which is just simply not true. <laughs> it's just not true. And Paul says this very countercultural thing in 1 Corinthians 7, verses 8 through 9, and Paul was a single man, so you need to know that's You need to know that so this verse makes sense. But he says this. 
But I say to the unmarried and to the widows that it is good for them to remain even as I, which is single. But if they do not have self-control, let them marry, for it is better for them to marry than to burn with passion. I think we all kind of understand what Paul is kind of talking about there. Um, But when you're trying to live in community with single people, please don't throw more things at us. Uh, No matter how well-loving or intentioned, um, we will have to stop and untangle ourselves from that before we can keep running the race that God has us on right now. And the fact is, and I know that this might be hard for some of you to believe, a lot of single people love being single. I know I do, right? I have a lot of freedom in my life, right? If God tells me to pack up and move to Timbuktu tomorrow, we'd have to have a conversation about it. But <laughs> I have the freedom to do that, you know? And married people don't. They, they have to talk to their spouse. What's their spouse going to do? What are their kids going to do? I have freedom, right? I like living in my own house without a roommate. I like not living with a boy. They smell bad. I'll be honest. I like having my own space, right? My singleness is not something that I just am looking to get rid of. In fact, my singleness and having to give that up to be in a relationship would be a sacrifice for me. Not one that I'm completely unwilling to make, but definitely not something that I'm willing to just throw away, right? And it's so discouraging when people tell me or other single people that my life that I love and is so full is something that I should or they would definitely give up in a heartbeat, right? Like, oh, why aren't you married? Oh, I couldn't be single. Ugh. You know, it's like, why not? My life is fun. I have a great time. And I know that's not the intention of a lot of people when they're saying this, but if you follow that train of thought a little bit, that's where it lands, right? It lands that our life must have to be worse than yours, right? And it hurts. Being single is counter-cultural, and we should celebrate people who push back on the narrative that they are not complete until they're married. We are only complete in Jesus, and we see this concept in weddings all the time, right? The two become one, right? Not two halves become one, right? I am whole. I am a whole person because of Jesus. And without Jesus, not even the biggest wedding with the best spouse will make you whole, right? Let's look at the last reason why people should celebrate singleness in the church. And there are many more, but this is just our last one today. Single people are able to live in undivided devotion to the Lord. So, our verse says, Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. There are a lot of verses that specifically relate to singleness, but Paul, as a single man himself, did write a whole section about relationships, and a large part of that section of scripture is about singleness. And um, that's from 1 Corinthians 7. I read a little bit of that to you earlier, and this is just from later down in that passage, but I'm going to read this to you. It's verses 32 through 35, and it says this. I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife, and his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or a virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how she can please the Lord. But a married woman 
is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. Let me be clear. Paul is not saying that married people are not committed enough to God. Not at all. Obviously, marriage is a beautiful thing that is valuable and vibrant in the church. But he does bring up an interesting point. In marriage vows stated before God, a man and woman promise to devote a part of themselves to serving and nurturing that relationship. And this is a good thing. But single people are truly able to devote a life solely to what God wants, right? Following his every move in a way that's just not as easy or reasonable for married people. Their whole life can be devoted to God. So why shouldn't we celebrate that? You know, a lot of people view singleness as a consolation prize. That's the way my friend Tammy Bird puts it. Um, And singleness isn't a consolation prize. It's not a second best option. And it's not an option that we should look down upon like, oh, well, God chose them to be single. Ugh, you know? Like, that's not how we should view singleness, right? Because single people live a life that's easier for us to throw off those non-sin things that hold us back from running the race and fixing our eyes on Jesus in a way that married people simply can't. Again, not that marriage is bad, but it puts single people at an advantage to run this race as fast as we can. So I ask again, why is singleness something that we want people to run away from instead of leaning into, even if they don't remain single forever? So as I wrap up, uh, I want to go over some ways you can connect with single people and support them in the church. So the first one is don't assume. Don't assume that they hate their singleness. Don't assume that people want to be married. Don't assume that people aren't looking currently to be married. Don't assume that they want to be set up with your son and, you know, son's best friend's cousin or whatever. Um, Don't assume that they aren't trying enough. Don't assume that they're too picky. Just listen, right? And give them advice when they ask for it. The second way is treat single people like adults. Most single people have their own homes and car payments and 401ks or other sorts of retirement plans, right? Even if they never get married, remember that they have life experience too. They relate to the majority of the things that you go through as a married person just differently, right? They have life experience too, so treat them like they do. And the third way is don't forget us. Even if, you know, you think, oh, well, they wouldn't want to hang out with a bunch of married couples, right? That, that just, like, wouldn't be what they want to do. Don't just think we'll say no, right? Just because you might feel awkward if you were the only one there without a date doesn't mean that we would, all right? And even still, if we say no, it's sometimes it's just nice to be asked, right? It's good to know that the people that you're around want you around, right? And marriage is so important for so many reasons, right? And one reason is that the metaphor of marriage is used many times to describe the relationship between God and the church. So it's important and vital and healthy to have living examples of that relationship in our church, right? It makes the church healthier, and it makes our understanding of God greater. But on the flip side of that, Jesus says this in John 15, 13. 
There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. I'm convinced that single people get this verse better than a lot of other people. And while if you're married, your spouse might be your best friend, and I love that for you. I really do. If you were to lay down your life for them or for your children, part of that would be out of responsibility for your vows, right? You promised that you would be there to protect them and be with them through anything, right? Unlike married people, singles have made no vow to God to protect or serve anyone else than themselves. Single people are able to model this kind of love without it being based in some commitment or responsibility, right? I would lay down my life for a lot of people that I know, right? And I have not made a vow to God to do that. That's just out of love, right? And I'm not saying that the marriage commitment, that is less. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that both things reflect a way that God loves us and loved the church, right? So, as the band comes back up, remember, God designed both married and unmarried people to reflect his love for us. So let's celebrate both like they are necessary to the church and like they were created by God for a purpose, because they were. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this church and our willingness to learn and accept people and love people. You are so good to us, and we love you. God, I pray for the single people in this church. I pray that you will be with them through this time that can be so exciting, but also kind of hard. God, I pray that you will strengthen and encourage them. Um, God, I pray that you will bless the marriages that are in this church, God. I pray that you will strengthen them. I pray that you will make them healthy examples for their children and for other people here in the church. I pray that you will bless them. I pray that you will help them open their homes to people from all different walks of life, God. Uh, I pray that our family would just extend to the people that we've made a vow to protect, but our family would extend to the family of God. God, I pray that as we pursue to be connected to all different kinds of people, that we would remember the people who are on the margins, the people who are a little bit on the outside, and we would bring them in closer to you and closer together. We'll give you all the glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.